0: Tonight, what exactly did Justin Trudeau say about groping that female reporter? I'll take you slowly through his bizarre series of excuses. It's July 9th, and you're watching The Ezra LeVant Show. You know the news, it's actually old, but it was forgotten about for 18 years. Back in 2000, Justin Trudeau attended a beer party in the town of Creston, BC. That's a picture of him at that event. Lots of drinking, lots of groping, lots of frat boy conduct. Trudeau was almost 30, but he was living like he was still in college because that's how privileged, spoiled rich kids live, when they have no family of their own, no responsibility, when daddy's lawyers and daddy's accountants are there to fix any problems like groping a young reporter named Rose Knight. She was a reporter with the Creston Valley Advance newspaper as well as the Vancouver Sun and the National Post. Uh, she was at the party too, and when she tried to interview him, she, he, he groped her. To use her phrase, she was inappropriately handled by him. That's another way of saying fondled, I guess. Rose Knight put out a statement a few days ago saying she didn't want to talk about the subject in public, but she confirmed that it did, in fact, happen. Fair enough. She doesn't want to be dragged through the mud, but she stands by what happened. The CBC, who spoke with her on the phone, says she was groped on her rear end. Perhaps more. Here, listen. She says that Knight said to her that the contact was a very brief touch uh, and that Trudeau had touched her rear end. So dignified. Can you believe we're in the G7? That's our Prime Minister. Trudeau grabs a lot of women's rear ends though. Here's a bizarre picture of him touching the bum of the Governor General, the Royal Tush. Is that what you do to a woman? You just reach for her behind? Well, sure, I mean, this is a guy who literally barges into other people's weddings, strangers, to kiss the bride on her wedding day. That's creepy just as creepy as giving an arms hug and legs hug to some young girl on the street. I mean, I guess what married man amongst us hasn't done the same? What MP doesn't go to pride parades to stare at naked breasts? What world leader of a G7 country doesn't pose with very young girls, topless? We've blurred this image. It wasn't blurred in real life. I mean, that's completely normal, isn't it? It puts a lot of Trudeau's photos in a new light, learning this about him, doesn't it? Like like the way he was staring at Ivanka Trump. Why does Trudeau hug? Get right in the personal space, any woman he meets. That's Catherine McKenna there. At least they're not kissing. But look at this hug with his science minister, Christy Duncan, embraced, touching. His, His mouth is right, or at least his cheek is right on her neck. Who does that? Trudeau does that all the time, in plain sight. Remember when that poor woman, Kathy Catula, was her name, complained in tears that Justin Trudeau's carbon tax was making her life unaffordable? She started to cry and what did he do? He walked up to her uninvited and got right into her face, dominant, to shut her up, to take away her moral power over him. Now was that sexual? Probably not with Kathy Catula. But with Trudeau, it's, it's not always about sex. It's about dominance. He dominates every woman around him. You don't see the governor general putting her hand on his ass. She just, you know, he just put it on her. It's just to, just to let everyone know that he's the alpha male. And he'll do whatever he likes. Including to young reporters that he thinks won't rat him out. To be fair, he's not just sexually weird with women, though. Here's him on a Quebec TV show a few years back, and his own wife, Sophie, tells him to kiss Gian Um, Because
1: you're very handsome. Thank you, Justin. (laughs) Kiss him. Uh, I
0: I, I think because... What a creepy couple. But what now that he's been caught? And other than some alt-left extremists at places like the Toronto Star, uh, who are defending him. I think most of us know he's creepy, but, but what will he say in his own defense? Well, he rambles a lot in, in that word salad way that he does. Th- there's a way that he speaks where, where he just strings together subordinate clauses so long that by the time you get to the end of the sentence, you forgot what the beginning of the sentence was about. He, he's mastered saying nothing, being very vacuous. I don't think that it's because he's stupid, because obviously he has a cleverness to him. I think that he's a master bser. That he's perfected saying very little very smoothly in a way that gets him through a tough spot without actually having to do his homework. And he's doing it again here. I I, I think it's working with a lot of people, uh, at least with the star. I don't know. Let me show you what I mean. Here, Here he is last week. I think this was his first statement on the subject. Remember this?
1: Uh, I remember that day in Creston well. It was a, a foundation uh, Avalanche Foundation uh, uh, event uh, to support, uh, to support uh, avalanche safety. Uh, I had a, a good day that day. I don't remember any uh, negative interactions
0: that day at all. He does that bobblehead thing when he's trying to distract you. But you heard what he said. He said he remembers it clearly, so it's not foggy in his mind. And he says he didn't remember anything negative at all. He's categorical twice. He says he remembers it well and there were no problems at all. Pretty clear. Now let's flip ahead to when he spoke about it at greater length when he was in Toronto.
1: I've been uh, reflecting very carefully on what I remember from that incident almost 20 years ago Uh, and again I am I feel I am confident that I uh, did not act inappropriately. Like I said Uh, I do not feel that I acted inappropriately uh, in any way. Uh, But I respect uh, the fact that someone else might have experienced that differently. And this is part of the reflections that we have to go through.
0: That bobblehead thing was going again there. So again, twice he says, he's, he's saying nothing happened. But he's saying someone else might have a different memory, but obviously they're wrong. But then he says this.
1: Again, I've been uh, reflecting on the actual interaction, and uh, if I uh, apologized later, then it would be because I sensed that she was not entirely comfortable with the interaction we had.
0: Hang on, hang on. What do you mean if, if you apologize? We, we know you apologized. We read about it in the Creston Valley Advance. I, I thought you just said that he, he remembers these events well. So, so does he admit that he apologized or not? He says if he apologized later, then it would be because he sensed that the young woman wasn't entirely comfortable with the interaction. And didn't he say again and again that there was no negative interaction? But wh- which is it? There were no negative interactions, or there was one bad enough that he apologized to a woman. Wh- which is it? And then there's this.
1: Like I said, I've been working very hard to try and, piece it together, and, and even when the um, original uh, editorial came out at the time, I was fairly confident, I was very confident that I hadn't acted in a way that I felt was in any way inappropriate.
0: Hang on, if he didn't do anything wrong, then, then why did he apologize? She said he inappropriately handled her. She, she quoted him, at the time, as saying, if I had known you were reporting for a national paper, I never would have been so forward. So did he say that or not? Did he, did he touch her rear end or not? The CBC says he touched her rear end, I, is that true? Is Trudeau saying that's not a negative interaction? Or is he saying she really wanted him to touch her there and she's just making a big deal out of nothing and he wouldn't have apologized if she didn't have some media power over him. What's he saying? Well, it's pretty clear he's saying she's a liar.
1: But like I said, part of the lesson that we all have to learn through this is uh, respecting that the same interactions can be uh, felt very differently from by different people going through them and we have to respect that and that's exactly uh, what we're having to come and come to grips with as a society and it's certainly something I'm continuing to reflect on.
0: The same interactions can be felt very differently by different people going through them. So, so what was the interaction? That he says he remembers well. I mean, he said that twice, I remember it well. So did he touch her sexually or not? Does he even consider touching a young woman's rear end to be sexual or, or is that what he does to all the women he meets, including the governor general, including his own cabinet ministers or at least the pretty ones? Is he saying he touched her but she just misinterpreted it? Or is he saying he never touched her, she's lying? And what does this part mean?
1: And we have to respect that and that's exactly uh, what we're having to come and come to grips with as a society and it's certainly something I'm continuing to reflect on.
0: I think that's just gobbledygook that somehow his groping a young woman means we as a society have to reflect on our behavior. No, no, thanks. We as a society did not grope anyone. You as an individual groped someone, but as usual, you want to scold us for your own sins. Yeah, no thanks. But let me play this next part for you and look carefully at what he's doing. It's called gaslighting. It's a phrase as, it means telling someone that they didn't experience what they actually experienced, telling them not to trust themselves, calling them a liar, really. Listen to this. This from the guy who tells us, we need to believe all victims. Again, he starts by blaming society, but look at how he throws this poor woman, Rose Knight, under the bus, calling her a liar. But that's okay, he says, we should respect liars and their right to be liars, and he certainly does respect liars, like the liar who's lying about him.
1: But part of this awakening that we're having as a society, a long-awaited uh, realization, is that it's not just uh, one side of the story that matters. That the same interactions could be experienced very differently um, from one person to the next. And I am not going to speak for the the woman in question. I would never presume to speak for her. Uh, But I know that uh, there is an awful lot of reflection to be had as we move forward as a society on how people perceive different interactions.
0: So he's, a, is he apologizing or, or not? A reporter asked him again. So do you
1: apologize now? I, I, I apologized uh, in the moment. Uh, I certainly feel that, that uh, uh, if, uh, um, again, I, I don't want to speak for her. I don't want to presume how she feels now. Uh, I haven't reached out to her. No one on my team has, has reached out to her, and we don't think that would be appropriate at all. Uh, so I'm, I'm responsible for my side of the interaction, which certainly, as I said, I don't feel was in any way untoward. But at the same time, this lesson that we are learning in, and I'll be blunt about it, often a man experiences an interaction as being benign, or not inappropriate, and a woman, uh, particularly in a professional context, can experience it differently, and we have to respect that and reflect on that.
0: I'll be blunt about this part, guys. You know how women are. They say things, they make stuff up, especially women in a professional context. They can get so touchy. I mean, not his own harem of affirmative action cabinet quotas, of of course. Not, Not a single one of those great feminists in cabinet have spoken out against trudeau but you know other more more touchy women can get things into their silly little heads. sorry tell me if i haven't interpreted him accurately well that was when he was in toronto it was a disaster but by the time he landed in calgary he had tripled down on the creepy get a load of this Rose put out a written statement saying she stood by her accusation but didn't want to be dragged into a debate. She was done and Trudeau uh, was asked about this and he said in the most politically correct language possible, he said she made it up, she lied. Here listen and tell me he meant anything different.
1: Obviously uh, over the past uh, weeks uh, since this uh, uh, news uh, resurfaced, um, I've been uh, reflecting, we've all been reflecting on... On past behaviors, and as I've said, I have, uh, I'm confident that I did not act inappropriately, but I think the essence of this is that people can experience interactions differently, and part of the lesson we need to learn uh, in this time of collective awakening uh, is Uh, a level of respect and understanding for the fact that uh, people, in many cases uh, women, experience interactions in professional contexts and other contexts differently than men.
0: So the same thing as before, he is confident he did nothing wrong and you can believe him because he's been doing so much reflecting and by the way we've all been reflecting. He loves that word reflecting because it reminds him of his favorite thing a mirror that reflects him back to him so he can reflect on his reflecting while looking at his reflection he's so dreamy but again in in many cases guys I mean you know women right am I right I mean especially in professional context you know these women can't live with them can't live without them God bless their hearts women and that apology he made well he, he didn't mean it you see it was just to shut the girl up
1: I apologized uh, in the moment uh, because I had obviously perceived that she had uh, experienced it in a different way than I acted, or I experienced it, and I think this reflection as we move forward needs to uh, continue uh, in our communities, in our places of power, in our places of work.
0: Hang on, you perceived that it went wrong, but haven't you said around three or four times that we've shown now that there was no negative interaction? Isn't that, by definition, a negative interaction? Isn't the other person's point of view, isn't that what makes it an interaction? An interaction instead of just an action? How the other person feels? And hang on, the the editorial in question that we showed you 18 years ago said that his apology came a day late. He didn't apologize in the moment. He apologized a day late. Or is he calling her a liar about that too? So when, when exactly did he apologize? Was there a complaint to him? How did it take him a day to realize that he did something wrong? Wh- which was it? Was it an apology in the moment, or was it an apology the day after? He said he had a clear memory of things, so, so which alibi should we believe? But, <laughs> I mean, hey guys, let's talk about reflection on our reflections a bit more. That, that's easier than answering questions.
1: Uh, There is an awakening going on and uh, uh, we need to take opportunities to continue to reflect on it. Uh, And there's always more to do and more to reflect on.
0: What? Yeah. But who will protect Canadian women from our male feminist groper? Who will be their defender against creepy guys who say they're feminist but grope women that they meet from reporters to cabinet ministers to the governor general to, to anyone? Who will defend us Against the defenders, who will defend Rose Knight since she says she will not defend herself? Well why Justin Trudeau has an idea? Justin Trudeau will be the defender
1: I, I, uh, I respect uh, very much uh, her right and her ability to make choices about what, uh, what is best for her and her family uh, and I Obviously, uh, uh, will continue to uh, stand as a as a defender of of um, understanding and respect for uh, individuals and the experiences they go through.
0: Hey, ladies, just because I grope you doesn't mean I won't defend understanding and respect for individuals reflecting on their experiences that they go through so if you're going through the experience of being groped by me i'll defend your understanding of that experience i respect you for understanding your experiences i may have groped you but i still respect you all right babes we cool oh what was that you're not just some chick at a beer party or national, your national You're national reporter sheesh why didn't you say so sorry babes sorry babes are we cool Ladies and gentlemen, the Feminist Prime Minister of Canada. Stay with us. We'll talk more about this with Anthony Fury.
1: Since this uh, uh, news uh, resurfaced, I've been uh, reflecting, we've all been reflecting on, um, on past behaviors. This reflection as we move forward needs to uh, continue uh, in our communities, in our places of power, in our places of work. Uh, there is an awakening going on and uh, uh, we need to take opportunities to continue to reflect on it.
0: Did you see that? Justin Trudeau was asked about his groping of a young woman he's the one who did the groping and he pivots to say he has always been a defender a champion and he will continue to be that way and we as in not him need to reflect on things and we're just lucky to have a man like him defending people's right to reflect on things and i don't even know what that mushy word salad means but he does that all the time and I just wonder, do people still buy it? I mean, people outside of his own inner circle, his own echo chamber, and that of the CBC. Well, joining us now via Skype is our friend Anthony Fury, who's a columnist with the Toronto Sun and who has been all over this story. Great to see you again, Anthony.
2: Hey, Ezra, great to be here.
0: Uh, You know what, It, it dawned on me watching Trudeau pivot from answering for himself to putting it on others. Like, he just switched from me to we pretty quick. And then he moved himself out of the we to, I will lead you, I am the defender, and we... It, it reminds me of every single apology Trudeau's ever done. Let me, let me just put this to you and i love your reaction. <laughs> Whether it's apologizing for aboriginal issues or the treatment of gays historically or apologizing to Omar Cotter and giving him ten and a half million bucks, Trudeau does a lot of apologizing. I think he made an apology to Sikh Canadians, he made an apology to Jewish Canadians. But if you notice those apologies... He's always apologizing on behalf of a less enlightened group of people, and he positions himself as the one who is leading us out of the darkness. He's always the good guy, the hero in every story. When he cries, he's not, they're not tears of his own repentance. They're tears of how upset he is that the stupid rest of us made him have to do this. I think he's trying to do that trick again. I think it's a trick. He quickly moves to yes we as a society need to do better and i'm your hero i think i finally see through the apology trick that's my take on it what do you think
2: yeah well this story is clearly not so much about justin trudeau having made a misstep but about how ezra and anthony and joe and bob and everyone out there can learn to be better people through this experience it's like he is providing a great opportunity for us and he's kind of convening the healing circle. I mean, it, it's just so rich, Ezra, and it's gotten to the point where he's, to your, to your point, I mean, I think he's he's more or less losing everyone, and everyone knows what's going on here. Now, I, I was no fan of the the hysteria and the overreach of Me Too, and a lot of very articulate and eloquent women, uh, people like Barbara Kay and Sue Ann Levy, they were saying a lot of great stuff about this, and Camille Paglia and Catherine Deneuve, I mean, people who are even on the left of the spectrum, basically saying, come on, folks, you know, we need to assess our priorities a bit more. But Justin Trudeau would have none of it. He was all for the mob. He wanted people to be uh, tossed out, irregardless of the facts and, and any sort of findings that he wanted people put on hiatus immediately. And all of a sudden, here he is saying, "Well, we do not need an investigation, and inquiry into my conduct. I have determined that." I mean, how rich is that, Ezra? And and we've seen recently, in, in the past couple polls and uh, of recent months, that women are actually really losing faith in Justin Trudeau. The Conservative Party is is the number one pick of women right now in Canada, and you can you can really see why because I think if you didn't follow politics in great in great detail, you would have thought that his his feminism stuff was very genuine and heartfelt. But now. It's gone from being shtick to totally icky. I mean, I just I, I just feel icky talking about yeah. this whole thing, this male feminist masking yeah. around to 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 save all of Canada's women, and then this is, has befallen him. I mean it's 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 really not working for him now.
0: Yeah. I, I wanna play one more quick clip for you because there's something he does that's really tricky. And you have to be very perceptive. I think some women will know what he's doing. I had to. S- I only picked this up about the third time I watched it. He says that everyone can experience things in their own way, as if there's no <laughs> objective truth. And, and, he, and he said that he defends the right of Rose Knight—that's the woman he groped—to think that something went wrong, but. From his point of view, there's no negative interactions. Here, take a quick look at this clip.
1: The same interactions could be experienced very differently um, from one person to the next.
0: Anthony, I think that's his very PC, very politically correct way of saying, hey, guys, nothing happened. There was nothing negative. But if this crazy gal wants to pretend there's something, I'm not going to call her a crazy gal, but she's a little bit crazy. But I defend her right to be crazy. Uh, you know how women can be. <laughs>
2: nothing, You've nailed like, it.
0: Like, he he very, very deftly says, nothing happened, I'm telling you nothing happened, but I defend this gal's right to pretend something happened. He threw her under the bus. That's why she came out and made a statement, didn't she?
2: You know, in previous centuries, the the term hysteria was usually meant... Uh, to talk about how women can't control their emotions and 18th century physicians said women must drink 22 cups of tea a day so they can they can calm down their their wild irascible female sensibilities and he's saying you know when he's saying you, you experience men and women experience things differently he's saying okay we get that you know women get a little bonkers every now and then they get a touch of the hysteria and and let's just that's okay. That's who you are. You can't help that. But guys, just, you know, talking to the boys club, nothing happened. You know what I mean? We've all met a nutty chick before. I couldn't believe it, Ezra. I mean, you've parsed it perfectly. My jaw dropped when he said that. And also, he's kind of getting away with it, because I think if it was anyone else saying this, that, 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 that exact line would be parsed to the nines, and people would, would assess it in the way that I just did. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I've, I've always wondered... Uh, why he emphasizes feminism so much as a policy not just as a style but as a substantive policy he went to the World Economic Forum in Davos and it's all these fancy CEOs and government leaders and they're all abuzz with Donald Trump had just brought in massive tax cuts and that's really a lot of people wanted to hear what Trudeau's reply was and it was well we're gonna have more feminism and the NAFTA negotiations no we got to put feminism in there and I was thinking I don't care if your style is feminist, but if that's all you talk about, you're running a little bit hot. And let me ask you this, Anthony, do you think he ever meant it, or do you think it was all one long-planned, preemptive insurance against when some of his old gropies, st- and, and by the way, I don't think, I have no proof, but I tell you, I don't think this is the only woman who's ever been groped by him, his... his Uh, wild bachelor days were were not days, they were years. I have this terrible feeling that our entire country's government has been used as a preemptive strike against these groping complaints just so he could build up a lot of buffer. Oh, but I'm the world's best feminist. We all know that. I'm terrified that his whole feminist agenda was just a preemptive cover for his bad behavior.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there could be a bit of a telltale heart thing going on here where someone knows they've uh, they've been uh, inappropriate in a couple instances, shall we say, and then overemphasizes uh, the fact that they're really big on that issue to act as a shield. It could be that. Certainly, it could also just be, as as Jason Kenney said, and he apologized for it, although I don't think he needed to. And he said, look, this is a person who's been on Parliament Hill for a decade. Not once has he ever done anything of any intellectual accomplishment. Hasn't championed a private members' bill. Wasn't on a committee where he said anything of note. Made any interesting observations. So, as I think, saying like, go women is is a a very kind of easy thing to do and you can reach for it and nobody's really gonna boo you down for saying it because we all more or less agree with the basic idea of the equality so it's a cheap and easy win for someone who, who doesn't have a lot to contribute to the serious public policy realm so I think it's a coin flip on this one or, or a
0: 50-50 you know you remind me of uh, when Andrew Clavin, the great American cultural observer said when people go for that feminism card it's because like you say it's easy to say and it's easier than talking about tax cuts or a trade deal or anything. It's just a safe go-to place and it's full of cliches. Uh, you know, I, um, there's one last thing and l- let me just play a very quick clip for you. This is Trudeau saying for decades, ever since his college days, he's been an activist against sexual assault and harassment. Really quick clip. This
1: is something that I've been uh, involved in for well over 20 years in my student activism and in, uh, in the outreach that I've done.
0: Anthony, I'm not saying he hasn't done that. I'm just saying I've never seen any evidence of that. I've never seen him, like I, he does the odd little selfie video where he says, hey guys, uh, be a feminist, don't interrupt, don't mansplain. So he, he has these little selfie moments, but other than that, I don't know if Justin Trudeau has actually ever done anything real to actually help women, other than talking into a camera and saying how feminist he is. Have you ever heard of anything he's actually done? Any donation of time or energy or money or talent or any personal effort, any Like, have you ever heard of anything?
2: I I can, and this is actually leads more to my theory about him, and I think it's even ickier. Uh, Ezra, he keeps going on about the fact that he was one of the first, if not the first, male sexual assault crisis counsellors at McGill University back when he was there. He brings it up so much, I've just been... Unfortunately rereading his memoir Common Ground for, for my book that's coming out soon and rereading those passages, he goes on about it there. He always reaches for this and that is his, that is his kind of prop for this. And, and I find it a very just just odd and icky thing for this alpha male uh, of privilege to go on and on about how I'm this sort of male rape crisis counselor and therefore I know more than like anyone else on it. So he does have that experience and he uses it and uh, what I find rather unsavory ways.
0: Well, I tell you, um, I didn't know he was actually a rape crisis counselor because I'm familiar with only— I'm not
2: sure if it was actually that, but it was something like sexual assault counselor or or something at McGill.
0: Well, you know, what? I'm only familiar with one rape crisis center. It's called the Vancouver Rape Relief uh, uh, Center. And they have a rule, only women are allowed because it's such a traumatic thing that women want to only talk to women and there's some post-traumatic stress and talking to a man is conflicting. The idea of a male, and and I, and I take your point, if it was sexual assault or harassment or rape, you, 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 up the top of your finger, up the top of your I'm getting
2: hand. the technical terms wrong, but he was there as some sort of mediator to deal with people working through their, their grievances in that, in that realm.
0: i got to tell you, the idea of a guy doing that when a woman has been violated or allegedly violated is so odd uh, to me. And I'm, you know, you've made me want to, I've never said this before, you made me now want to go and read that ghostwritten
2: biography. <laughs> But I apologize
0: I, you know what it, it reminds me and I'll close on this of Justin Trudeau's friend Gian Gomeshi, who actually was a woman studies major at school and I we now know that he physically beat women for his sexual pleasure he was not convicted of a crime but but he admitted all we need to know about him and I believe to this day that Gian Gomeschi did that number one to be in the close proximity of women and number two, as a preemptive self-defense. Now, I'm not comparing what Trudeau did to Gian Gimeshi's physical violence. But I think that there are some thematic similarities of a guy who just won't shut up about what a male feminist he is, and there's a wolf on, in the sheep's uh, clothing under there. Last word to you, Anthony.
2: Yeah, I think it's very odd. And, you know, Ezra, I used to use the word feminist to describe myself, because the technical definition of it just means you believe that men and women are equal. And hey, why not? It's the 90s, you know, we would have said back then. Let's get on board with it. But there's this icky, overreaching way that a lot of these Gomeshi characters have have latched onto the term. And of course, the way the social justice warrior movement has taken it means the whole thing has become a little off. And I don't want to be a guy who describes himself as a feminist these days, not because of not wanting to stand up for, you know, gender equality, but not wanting to be one of those guys who's, why are you going on about this so much? Are are you hiding something? Are you dealing with something in in the closet? I don't don't know.
0: Yeah, you're so right. Well, we'll have to leave it there, Anthony. It's always great to talk to you. I, I think this story is going to stick around for a little bit, just because there's so many unanswered questions and contradictions. We still don't know what Trudeau exactly did. He hasn't said so. I think that until he answers more questions, this will continue to burn. Great to see you again. Bye now. All right. There you have it. Anthony Fury, he writes editorials and columns for the Toronto Sun. Stay with us. More ahead on the <music> Welcome back. Troubling news from Edmonton. The case of Solomon Hajj Solomon one of Justin Trudeau's Syrian migrants, has been acquitted. You'll remember Solomon Hajj Solomon uh, was accused of groping a half a dozen or more teenage girls at the West Edmonton Mall water park. He was quickly identified, arrested. There was closed-circuit TV footage and the girls identified him in court, but he was acquitted of all charges. Joining us now to talk about this is our friend Sheila gunn who attended the trial. Great to see you again, Sheila. Uh, are you surprised by this?
3: Um, I, you know what? I'm surprised by the complete and utter acquittal of all the charges. He was actually facing 12 charges, six of sexual assault and another six for sexual interference because the girls were all aged uh 14 to 16. So they were all minor girls. I thought maybe he might get off on a few of the charges because a couple of the girls were a little um, fuzzy on some of the uh, details of his appearance because, you know, they were in a water park and for the most part, the man who was molesting them was behind them and under the water. But I was shocked to see that he got off on all of these charges considering that... uh, Two of the four girls were completely unrelated to the other four. Two girls were there on their own and two complete strangers to the other four girls who were there um, as part of a soccer team and a sleepover afterwards. So it was quite shocking to see that he just walked on everything.
0: Yeah, and he took deliberate steps to obscure his visual uh, identity. He had a beard at the day in question, but when he attended a trial, he shaved his entire beard off. Uh, that, so it, it's clear that he was taking steps to appear differently in court, is that accurate?
3: Yes, so um, when he did appear in court, he was clean-shaven, and actually some of the girls pointed that out when they identified him from the stand. They identified him from the stand, but then they said he ha- he used to have a beard, or that on the day of the molestations, he did have a beard.
0: Yeah, um, I understand uh, that People should. Uh, I mean, we know the standard of justice is beyond a reasonable doubt. But when you have, s- did all six girls take the stand? Did all six girls give their witness testimony?
3: All six did. Yes.
0: And and did they all say the same thing? Did it, did they all say that he did it?
3: They all said that he did it. One one girl did say under cross examination that she was unsure when she was pushed on it. But these girls are quite young.
0: Yeah. Well, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and I. But mm-hmm. if six girls said it, and if two of them were unrelated, and if five out of the six were certain, let me ask you: Did did uh, Solomon himself take a stand, or did he bring any witnesses or any experts in his defense?
3: No, the Solomon Haj Solomon didn't take the stand. Nor did the defense bring forward any defense at all. They didn't bring forward any witnesses. The The only time we heard from the defense was during cross-examination of the witnesses and then during closing arguments.
0: Now, um, I, I checked online and I have not been able to find the uh, formal judgment in this matter. And when we do, I'm gonna go through it carefully and I know you will also. And it's because I, you attended the day in court and I've seen other reports by, by other media the judge correct me if i'm wrong and i'll maybe you can state it in the words that you heard the judge said and i'm only asking you because we don't have her written verdict yet that she chose not to believe these six girls because they were white and the accused was a syrian migrant and therefore uh, their ability to identify him was somehow prejudiced by his culture or something so she refused to take their identification of him as accurate because, oh, they, she implied, oh, well, they would just blame any Syrian. And that there, there was no evidence to this effect, no expert to this effect, and that the defense counsel did not argue this. The judge just made that up. Is that accurate?
3: That is accurate. I actually went and got my notes from that morning. I took 10 full pages of notes. I was writing as much as I could down. What the judge said, and of course, I'm paraphrasing here because I was taking notes. She said that um, one of the factors she considered in um, dismantling the girl's witness identification of him was that Solomon Haj Solomon is from a different cultural background from that of each of the complainants. She said, this too makes it difficult for those complainants to discriminate the features of the accused when the offender is in a group of people possessing those same features. So, you know, even in my notes, I you know, I was sort of shocked to hear that because I said, D-, I actually wrote, does this mean the judge thinks that those little girls are racist, that they can't tell the difference between one Syrian and another? I, I-, I just thought it was appalling, but she wasn't done there. She actually... Called into question the girls' identifications of Solomon Haj Solomon from the witness stand. She again said that there were few people in the courtroom that were of a different cultural background for these girls to choose from when they were trying to identify the offender. She also said that the use of an interpreter may have tainted the girls' IDs from the stand. So the fact that Solomon Haj Solomon asked for a word for word Arabic offender or Arabic translator was actually used against the girls when they made their witness identification from the stand.
0: And what on earth does that have to do with how a guy looks who gropes them? I mean, he wasn't chatting with them in English or Arabic when he allegedly groped them at the West Edmonton Mall water park. Um, Those are so irrelevant if a, let me put it to you this way, if a juror or a witness had said those racist, bigoted things that that judge just said, they would have been discredited. Oh, you're saying all brown people look alike, or you're saying white people can't look at brown people, or those are so, and what gets me, Sheila, is that you're saying that Solomon had Solomon himself, and his lawyer himself didn't dare make such a racist, stupid argument, and. We'll have to wait and see what the judge puts in her written verdict. But I've never heard of this as a, as a rule of law, as a, as a established law, that if someone has a translator, you can't believe someone identifying them, if someone is a different race. Like, it just sounds so made up. Um, this cries out for an appeal. Based on what you've said, I and mean, again, we're still waiting for the ruling, I am absolutely certain that it will not be appealed because this is one of Trudeau's Syrian refugees. And the Attorney General of Alberta and, the, and whatever input the feds have, they do not want it on the record that we have brought over the rape culture from Syria. And so had Solman had Solomon has been acquitted, in part because, as you say, oh, the girls were white. So they're just a bunch of racists. So we can't trust them. So he didn't do it. That, this, is, this is a disgrace. This, I feel like I'm in the United Kingdom now, not in Canada. I feel like we're listening to their rape gangs now. There wasn't a rape here, but there was a mass groping, and I think the perp just walked, even though the judge acquitted him.
3: You know, and you did raise the point that the defense, the defense didn't even have the gall to raise this uh, argument. It came from the judge, just yanked out of thin air. Nobody made this argument at trial. Um, you know, and there's there's another level in this. One of the young ladies is not particularly light skinned. She's, you know, pretty close to the same skin tone as Solomon Haj Solomon. So, I mean, this argument just falls flat on its face. (laughs) These girls were denied justice. They couldn't even hear the end of the verdict from the judge. They left the courtroom um, before the judge finished because they knew exactly how this was going to go. And I think there's a great injustice that um, part of the judge's reasoning was because she thought these little girls were racist.
0: What's the judge's name?
3: Judge Lester.
0: It's a woman, isn't it? Yes, yeah. You know, I think she, um, like so many politically correct leftists, um, she's all about feminism until someone with a higher poker hand in the politically correct Olympics comes along and one of Justin Trudeau's Syrian migrants. Well, if these girls have to pay the price for trudeau's syrian policy that's just the way it is i say again he was acquitted under law according to the law he is not a convict he is not guilty i say to you this looks like a highly irregular ruling we'll have to wait till we see the actual written judgment before we can say that with with any firmness but i feel like our justice system failed but that is its result as of today solomon had solomon is not guilty of this crime crime even though six girls pointed to him and say he did it last word to you sheila
3: well, time is running out on this appeal. They have 30 days from the day of the uh, the uh, acquittal to for the crown to appeal. But I think there's another failing here, not just of the justice system, and that was of the mainstream media. There were probably three or four other journalists sitting in that rec- that courtroom the same day as me, and not one has reported on the fact that the judge cited these cultural differences as a reason why Solomon Hajj Solomon was acquitted and the girls' identifications were thrown away. And I think that's um, a real failing here that this is the lens through which we get the news.
0: Yeah. Well Sheila, I've always said to uh, you the best reporter in Alberta. <laughs> the NDP certainly thinks so. They tried their best to have you banned. Your best selling your last two best selling books shows that there's a demand for your reportage. I think you've proved that here in this very important case. When we get the the written verdict come back on the show. Let's talk about it then. And uh, I have to say, these girls are a sacrifice zone for both the provincial and federal government. And that terrifies me because I've seen the thousands of girls in the United Kingdom who are a sacrifice community for the politics of multiculturalism and open borders. We have brought the rape culture to our country, and you saw it firsthand in Edmonton.
3: I did, I did. And uh, as a mom of two young girls, it was... uh it was hard to see what those girls were put through in their attempt to get justice and then to be denied at the end of it all. Yeah.
0: All right, there you have it. Sheila gunn our Alberta Bureau Chief. I say again, Solomon Hatch Solomon has been found not guilty. In the eyes of the law, he is not a criminal. In the eyes of the people, well, I'll leave that to you. Stay with us. More ahead on The Rebel. I I went through a lot of the footage of Justin Trudeau. There's so much word salad, and he gets into this mode. He starts bobbing his head a little bit. You can tell he's trying to emote and be a bit of a thespian. That's his training, a substitute drama teacher. If you actually look at his words, if you put them on paper, they don't make a lot of sense. And if you put them on paper and compare them, he's contradicting himself. Three different explanations, three different versions. I think he's a liar. Or maybe he's just a BSer, a bluffer. Maybe he doesn't even remember. I mean, there's surely been so many women he's treated this way. I mean, just what he does in plain sight, he touches every woman he meets. On the tush, he close, hugs them. He's a close talk. I mean, I'm not saying it's all sexual, but I am saying it's a habit with him. It's his dominance. It's how he treats other people. I always found it odd when he would see a wedding and go in for a kiss to the bride. Who does that? Who does that? What a creepy weirdo. I say it again. He's like Gian Gameshi. His whole life, in Gian Gameshi's case, women's studies, being a feminist, was just cover for what he was really like in private. I think it's the same with Justin Trudeau. I think he's a handsy, gropy creep. And the whole feminist shtick I think it was just a cover, what do you think? Tell me if you think I'm wrong, send me an email, answer at the rebel.media. Tell me if you think this was just a one-time lack of judgment. Tell me if you think it only happens when Trudeau's drunk or high. Or tell me if you think, as I increasingly do, that no, he's a permanent, low-level predator who just finally got caught in an amazing lie. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel Gold Headquarters, good night and keep fighting for freedom.